What is up, people? Welcome back to yet another episode of Kickoff Sessions. You're joined with me, your host, Darren Lee, every single Wednesday. And on this episode, I've promised you I'm bringing you an absolute great episode. I'm joined with Colin Campbell, who's quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasters globally right now. Colin does a lot of work that's similar to my own. His podcast, Cambro Conversations, which firstly is a great name, focuses on young professionals from health, fitness, careers perspective, side businesses, entrepreneurship, investing, among many other different areas. He's such an interesting dude and he's really been leading this from his own personal experiences. Colin has spent many years focusing on health and fitness as well as merging this with his career and it's super interesting even in line with my own podcast and my background in fitness as well. It's something that I've really prioritized and I would put as a main principle to abide by and funnily enough Colin is quite similar. We've a lot of similarities you'll see in this podcast that we're very similar people from the people we interview in our podcast to what we get up in the side. Our side businesses are awfully aligned it's a it's almost worrying how, how close we are together and hopefully you'll enjoy it. This episode is all around balancing training, fitness with your career. High stressful jobs, jobs that are very intense and that involve many hours, many mental hours as well. And how do we build in training and nutrition around this? This is from habit building to principles to preparation to training itself towards segmenting in our mind and also enjoying different aspects of life too. I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode. It is filled with information. And if you do, please rate us five stars on kickoff sessions on Spotify. Please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also head over to YouTube. Watch the full HD version on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube too. It would be super helpful. So I'll leave it right here. Here's my conversation with Colin Campbell all around optimizing training, nutrition with your career. All right, man, let's kick off. Before we started recording, man, I was looking through a lot of our, your old uh, podcasts, right? And I couldn't get over how similar a lot of our work is between your podcast, between mine. I feel like, man, that we're literally like an extension of each other from fucking some of the guests we've had or like some of the shit we get off to, even on the side, like even with training and just general philosophy. Like, obviously, I was on your podcast like last week and stuff, and uh, that'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks. But it's scary to think of because I've never really met someone who has a similar enough podcast to me, to be honest. There never really is. There's, there's usually people that are doing like just, you know, startups or just like business shit, but no one's kind of doing the kind of career aspect. Uh, and you kind of do it really well as well. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, I think there's massive synergy between what we've been up to. And I think it's why we've got on so well since we got connected. And it's great to see guys in our age group creating content that we probably would have benefited from and do still benefit from uh, in terms of chasing peak performance within your career and progression and the fitness side of things which we're obviously going to talk about today I think has a, has a huge um, connection to that and of course you and I both have a bias towards encouraging people from that perspective but mm-hmm. it's a very healthy one and if you look after your body, your mind, then your career tends to respond likewise. And yeah, there's lots of crossover in the guests we've had and the topics that we've had. And I'm looking forward to to seeing where both our podcasts go because we both know that it's pretty early days for both of them. Me, just over two years. You, um, episode 80, 90 coming soon. This might be 89. Here we go. We're flying. Oh, was up to 100, man. Man, it's funny you said that because like a lot of the stuff we see online or other podcasts we follow are like a little bit 
they're like a step above us, I feel. Not like us in general, but I just mean like when people are listening to it, there's never that kind of connection. Like there is a connection and people get like, you know, really into podcasters and they follow them, but they don't like really are on the same level. Does that make sense? Like you see guys that are like, you know, top tier, even like people like Lex Friedman, like a huge idol for me in terms of like podcasting, even the way he speaks, the way he interviews people. But I never feel like I'm kind of like him. You know what I mean? That's kind of why I started my podcast because for younger people, they didn't have that similarities, I felt, uh, who wanted that, I suppose. And then similar with you, when I went through a lot of your stuff, and I'm sure I've I told you before that I've seen your podcast like over a year and a half ago. Uh, and I remember being like, fuck, this is a dude that's like around my age. It's just like smashing it. And it's just sick to see versus like the people there that are the 1%, you know? Yeah, I, I can relate well to some of the people that we really look up to. But of course just based on their circumstance and their time in the game and, the, and then the relative success and how much their efforts have compounded over time. Of course, they're a little bit out of reach. Whereas if we can bridge the gap between like a, a Lex Friedman and Chris Williams and somebody who's just at an aspirational level of success for some of the younger guys or guys in our own age group demographic that are striving for like success or whatever metric mm-hmm. we want to define it by and, and pursuing their best version, then that's fantastic because I've had people message me who are maybe like, two or three years younger than me that are like wanting what I am achieving at the moment, which is amazing because I can help them do that through my interviews and through my own experiences. And it's exactly what you've been managing to achieve with the podcast as well. And I think it's, it's great to be that middle ground equally. I think <laughs> it's such a weird world podcasting isn't because my episode with you is coming out in May and this will come out in, in, in April, but we spoke a little bit around mentoring and it's a topic that's come up quite frequently on my podcast as well with other guests Sometimes you don't need somebody who's at the like the kind of point Z in the mm-hmm. alphabet. You need somebody who's like F or G and you're at A. Or you need mm-hmm. somebody that's at D and you're at A. And they just need to help you make the steps on the road or whatever map you've drawn out for them to move forwards towards that rather than this guru is basically completed it and you're somehow trying to scramble to make even slight progression. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because like, I think the issue is that it's not always about going from like zero to hundred. It's zero to one. That's the biggest thing. Is like people can go from zero to one. Fucking huge help, man. Get your get your training in, in check. Get your fitness in check. And you know, I, I told you before, I work with a lot of young professionals with their careers and whatnot. And it's not always about like getting super shreddy. It's just about going from zero days in the gym to one day in the gym. From literally not even managing your workload to just getting that one step up on the, on the ladder and people figure it out themselves you know we'll, we'll get into some of the details today but like people naturally feel it out and, and even some guy i was working with recently as well you know no real experience with training and whatnot and after doing it for a couple of weeks he quickly learned that you know just like a fucking bro split of chest shoulders back and arms wasn't efficient he was like sure there's a better way to do it and he kind of figured these things out you know so that's what i've loved and that's what i always try to push is is go zero to one versus zero to 100 and uh, just try to push that there, you know? So where I want to start with today is that uh, I want to discuss kind of some of your habits. So I've been following this stuff for quite some time. I've noticed that, you know, you're someone who just gets it done, who has, you know, very goal-orientated kind of attitude. And as a result of that, you've been able to, you know, get into great shape, manage your own work and your own career, as well as manage your own podcast. Uh, why is it? you've been building great habits, even your steps in the morning and getting that out because I've seen you religiously follow that. Uh, is this something that's always been there or do you think you've been working on it quite a lot since the last couple of years? I think I've always had elements in my personality that's responded well to structure and fitness became a vehicle for that. And 
I think if I was to take you back to my time at university, I studied politics at the University of Glasgow and there's minimal class time. There's a lot of reading and studying away from lectures and seminars and you're a little bit of a free spirit. And I did okay in that. But in my first couple of years, I was still playing a lot of rugby. I was still drinking. I was still partying a lot as you do at university and as you probably should do. But I didn't really have a lot of fulfillment and inner confidence and a lot of uh, purpose and drive. I just, I was meandering along. I would go to lectures that I hadn't read the book for. I would go to seminars that I had no idea what the topic was, but I just wanted to make sure that I'd got my attendance credits so that I could move mm. on to my next year. It was probably about halfway through university when I was getting quite a lot of injuries at rugby in my shoulder, playing gents rugby, being a mouthy little guy, playing scrum half. I, uh, I, was, I was getting leathered. So <laughs> I started to find that I was enjoying my time rehabbing in the gym more than I was finding um, enjoyment from the rugby. Mm-hmm. And I fell down the YouTube rabbit hole in the kind of golden era of fitness YouTube, which was people like Christian Guzman, Chris Jones, Physiques of Greatness. And then maybe a little bit later on, uh, Rob Lipset, who's been on this podcast, and Joe Delaney, who's been on my podcast. These guys were creating content around macros and optimal training splits and building like good quality routines so that you give yourself the best chance of like success. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to understand the power of like looking after your body in particular and it started to transfer over into my success at university. I became much a much better student. I kind of breezed through my, my third and fourth year uh, and got my master's in politics quite comfortably. All while I started to like have quite a regimented routine in terms of I'm going to train at this time every day. I'm going to have these meals to put that around. And sometimes that can become restrictive, Darren, and that, that's a problem. Sometimes you go too far. But I would certainly say that when I started to understand the power of doing the same things regularly and start to see the results in the mirror, but also on paper or on on Moodle or whatever your email mm-hmm. came across to say that you'd got an A in your essay mm-hmm. or in your exam, that was like really reassuring. Further down the line, I think when I started to consume more mindful content or through podcasts like Modern Wisdom, um, I began to understand a lot more around other habits so things like the steps that we're talking about of course that forms a a big part of my routine in terms of my calorie expenditure in terms of the number of calories i'm expending and using and my body needs to then eat back i also understood the power of like headspace and getting out and about thinking refreshing setting starting your day with a strong intention i even journal now as well i'm a very disciplined person but i fall back on my habits regularly to the extent that some of the habits that we're probably going to talk about today it would genuinely feel like i hadn't brushed my teeth if i didn't do them and there's elements in my personality of course that can be a little bit obsessive i've never had like disorder eating or anything like that but there's elements where you can go too far but once you realize that that's too far and you pull it back to what is like a, a happy equilibrium mm. i hate the term balance but there is it there is there is always a a necessity for to find some sort of balance so no to answer your question in a very roundabout way i've not always been a very habituated and driven person but mm. i think fitness was an entry point to me to do that and it's it's had tremendous benefits in terms of nowadays where i live a very routine and habituated lifestyle with greater flexibility than i did for some for some periods because of the nature of i went in too deep yeah wow when you when you build strong habits and routines i think discipline and that equals freedom in the longer term to the extent that we're going to talk about how many calories I diet on, mm-hmm. like the, the ability for me to work pretty pretty freely across the UK with my with my company and all, all, all the benefits that that entails. 
Mm. I think the biggest take home from that as well, man, is the fact that when you look at it from a sport perspective, sport is so like, it's just all over the place. You know, it's like you win one weekend, you don't win next weekend, you score, you don't score, someone else gets to blame, someone else doesn't get to blame. It's very like, it's, I don't know, it's a bit kind of gray. Whereas when you were applying like, you know, that discipline to training, to your nutrition, to your college, it's so fucking clear the output. You know, are you good enough on paper? Yes, no, A, B, right? A, B, C, whatever you get in grade. Same your fitness. If you're going to embark on a long fucking bulk, where we've all been on a man, 14, 16, 20 weeks long, you'll see, did it work at the end of it? Same with your coding phase. It's so clear in output. And that's the same with me, man. It stimulates the same part of my brain. It's why I dropped out of rope beats, why I dropped out of a lot of things. It's why I loved individual sports. It's why I love sprinting. When I was really young, it was just like such an ego-driving sport. It was like, are you good enough? Yes, no. It's, it's literally uh, a process flow, as simple as that. And I think that's what feed it into it. And then as you get older, this is what's very interesting, is that so much of life is like non-linear, you know, like the progress of your podcast, progress of my podcast, progress of your business, even your career. Your career can be kind of linear if you want it to be, but it can be awfully uh, non-linear, which is what entrepreneurship kind of is typically. But when you think of like training and nutrition, that can be the one thing that's controlled and being able to apply that level of control leads you to be able to get those results. And of course you can abuse them. That's exactly what I've done in the past as well. If I'm getting super shreddy, I would get them way too low. Like I'd push it a bit too far and I'd see how far I can push it because I can control it. And I think that's what's very interesting. And then because of that, then you feel like a lot of things in your life are yeah, in a state where they're a bit more controllable. Um, and then when you factor in work, like again, I work a very, very stressful job. And as a result, I would not necessarily you know, want everything in my life to be completely fucking fluid as a result. You want some things that are structured and applying that that frame has been very helpful for me. And it, and it sounds to me that it's been very helpful for you too, to be able to plan and execute and, and live more of a, a freer life than in other aspects to be more creative. Yeah, com- completely agree. I think, yeah, you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there where I was saying that there's a huge amount of structure and routine within my life. And then, of course, I've got the creativity of my side projects like the podcast and Instagram, my email list and different things where I can come away from, um, for the for the listeners I work in business development, coming away from that type of career where you have to be quite structured and disciplined to get the best possible results. What you put on the top of the funnel often comes out the bottom. Mm-hmm. Having the pretty much free reign to create whatever you want in my side hustles is, is very, very healthy for me. And having other things that I switch off with as well, because I can be quite a serious guy, but I have different things that I switch off with. One of them's one of them's football. I'm, I'm, I'm a massive Rangers fan. For some of your Irish listeners, they'll either love that or they'll hate that. Uh, one of the two. It's, same, it's the same in Glasgow. And then away from that, I, 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 I play golf as well. And having outlets away from the the gym bro striving for shreds and great physique and the business development professional who wants to be like the wolf of wall street and making mad cash and hitting his bonus and sorry, hitting his targets and getting his bonuses. That's amazing. And I love those aspects of my life, but having the, a little bit of nonsense as well. Like my group chats, when we talk about the football, it's just total nonsense, total laughs. There's nothing serious in there. But then I've got other group chats where I talk to maybe other podcasters or other creators or other, or people that are, I'm really close to in the fitness space that coach having different people that I tap into in terms of network for when I'm trying to be habituated, robotic, disciplined, on point call, the office athlete, and then having the bit of nonsense and the fun away from that is is very important. And there's times in my life where, as you hinted towards, where I've been too much the, the robot. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times where it's very rare that I've actually gone too far the other direction. I'm normally, I'm normally, I, my personality definitely 
airs towards the serious side more often than not. But but it's good though, man. Like you said, you've used a lot of uh, different resources and different mentors as an example. Even watching like Joe Laney's fucking fucking Ibiza videos is enough for you to realize that there's like you know life outside like the gym or just work. And that was a big for me as well because like I'm such an all or nothing dude. Like back in university, it would just be like literally twelve hours a day. Honest God, it sounds it sounds as bad as what it was. Twelve fourteen hours a day the last six to eight weeks of a of a semester just banging out. And then even now my work, I even go a little bit too far. Like it's very easy, man, to clock a 55, 60 hour a week. And I'll break it down to you very simply. If you're working 10 to 10 hours a day, which is a regular job, which I would do way more than, that's 50 hours a week. If you're managing a podcast, recording, editing, cutting up clips will be between five to 10 and other things, things to do on the side, which consulting and, and uh, mentoring, easily five or 10. That has gone way over 60, right? So, that, so that's, so these hours are, you know, they're, they're arbitrary. But having other people to lean into has given me the insights that there is more to life than just sitting at my desk and trying to trying to increase the number that's right in front of me. You know, and that's that's very, very important. And I think the biggest thing with this is about when you go into the like the working world and how this integrates. And for me, I want to get your thoughts on this too, because when I was in university, I was lucky to do a good internship in London. And I remember I walked into this like uh, this this office floor. And I remember looking across at 150 people in London and Canary Wharf and the amount of people that were at an unhealthy level in terms of body health, in terms of their physique, in terms of, because they're 40, 50, you know, so much of them are working, fuck man, 12, 14 hours a day. And I remember walking in and my initial thought was, I could never let this happen to me. I don't want to be that person that lets it slide. And I'm not fat shaming people. What I'm saying here is, that I don't want my health to slide in that way. And I remember my, my mate that I worked with at the time, Danny, I remember saying it to him, being like, this is like something I never, ever want. And as a result, then it was actually one of the, the most shreddy summers I had. It was just like, I literally just kept on, on par with training, nutrition, cardio and everything. And I remember it stretched me so much mentally. And I was long days, man, very, very long days. But it felt more important to me than letting things slide. So I don't know how you feel about when you first started and then trying to balance uh, some of your training with your with your career. I think for starters, you need to accept that the general population are deeply unhealthy. And the kind of people that would listen to a podcast like this, even if you're not in the place you want to be with your body at the moment, you're wired slightly differently, or at least you've got an openness to being wired slightly differently than the general population. In the UK, we've now got over 60% of people who are obese. So if you look around an office, most of the people you look at are going to be unhealthy and obese. And I, I don't care what people say, being fat is not healthy. Um, at least, please, please we, we, we want to work towards addressing that as much as possible. And once you accept the fact that you probably don't want to be average, because the average person is pretty unhappy, they walk 4,000 steps a day, they eat shit for their lunch, they work in a job that they're probably not that fulfilled by, they're more than likely not going to get divorced. Life's pretty going to be pretty terrible if you're the average person. So by voting straight away with your intention to listen to a podcast like this you're voting to be somebody that's slightly abnormal and i'd much rather be abnormal than average based on walking into the 150 people in canary wharf and being like jesus christ you might be quite wealthy but my god you're not particularly happy and you're not healthy and also what i would sorry to interrupt you a small bit uh those people as well aren't exactly the wealthiest because it's not like they've pushed harder a lot of the time they're going to be settled and they don't want to do anything else because they don't have the energy to do it they they generally are not energized enough to do it now some people will be obviously outliers to this but generally speaking if you're going to be just going to work to backwards it's not going to be profitable in other aspects of your life too 
Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And you used the term there, outlier. You want to be an outlier. You do not want to fit in. And by by controlling your nutrition, by going to the gym three, four, five days a week, you are automatically going to be looked at as a little bit strange by the people around you. And guess what? You probably want to embrace that to some extent. And I think we were talking about habits earlier. One of the most um, powerful influences on me was when I read Atomic Habits, first of all in 2018, and then again during the first lockdown at the start of 2020. It just reinforced that creating an identity around who you want to be rather than who you're maybe expected to be within society is incredibly powerful because then you can act accordingly to that with the habits that you implement into your day-to-day life. So when you were talking about being in London and looking around, not being impressed by those people around you and bringing the shreds that summer, you were probably implementing a lot of habits, maybe cardio, tracking your nutrition, preparing your meals, um, going to the gym when when you're tired and not feeling like it. These are all things that the average person doesn't want to do. And of course, we have to do them. And it's a vote for the kind of person that you want to be, lean, healthy, fulfilled. That's the, that's the, that's the habits that you need to fall back on to try and achieve that. So completely agree when you look around places of work and the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you probably don't want to be like them in all aspects of their life anyway. Maybe in some elements of their career, you would love to mimic their work ethic and their um, how articulate they are maybe or how, how well they present or how well they write emails or how well they structure reports. These are all great qualities, but maybe you don't want the physical attributes or the mental attributes. It's very true, man. It's very, very true. My question off that as well, though, is what's, what's really interesting is like, so when you're speaking from like a college context or let's say you're going to get fit for summer or you're trying to, you have a special event coming up. It's kind of not easy, but it's easier to work with end goal in mind. But one thing I've always admired by, by your physique in particular is the fact that you are literally always fucking dialed in. Always have a good physique. Even when you're at the top of your bulk, man, you still have fucking abs. And you're always kind of have that level of discipline and you can kind of keep it going for a long time, which is very uh, admirable, number one, because you're, you're clued in. So how do you kind of work on your overall general kind of health over a longer period? Because even like me, I'm going to do nine weeks of cut and then I'm going to finish it. I'll come back up to maintenance and probably have a bit of fun and things like this. But for you, you keep it over a longer period. So again, factoring the fact that we don't have exams to have it over or whatever, how have you kept it going for uh, for so long? How have I kept it going for so long? So I probably got properly lean and in good shape for the first time in 2014, but I've been lifting weights since like 2009. I'm older than I look. I'm 29. So I've been lifting weights since I was like 15, 16 at rugby. Um, And that built a really good foundation, but I didn't understand nutrition at all. And I mentioned some of the YouTubers that I was watching, Chris Jones at Physiques of Greatness in particular. He was talking about macros and I had no idea what this was before. I sometimes tried to eat super clean, but of course couldn't stick to it. I was, I was living at home at the time. I told my mom, no pasta, no bread. Like you need to, you need to like help me out with these foods. And she's like, what is going on here? Like, this is just abnormal. And it's abnormal. In some ways, there's benefits to it, but in most of it, you you were just getting it all wrong. Yeah. Because you could, you could have been eating, I would eat like two steaks or something stupid like that, which of course was just like quite calorific and lots of protein, but maybe like an unnecessary amount of protein in one meal or an unnecessary amount of protein across your whole day. Just, um, just daft stuff like that. But I think if I was to look at, like how I've kept going for so long. When I got lean in 2014, I pretty much haven't really gotten that fat since then. I've done controlled bulks since then. And it's mostly been from a place of liking to have control, but also having some rock solid foundations. So I think I've taken like two or three full weeks off training since 
like mm-hmm. 2014, and that's been through like illness. So if you're always training, that's always going to be helpful. I once I understand something in terms of like the benefit of it, so something like a habit, like walking and getting your steps in, or tracking your nutrition, hitting a protein target. If I can see the value in it, I make it a massive priority. So when I'm traveling with work lots, which I do across like London, Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, and of course I'm based in Glasgow, I'm on my fitness pal tracking my protein. Protein and calories is, is, is the main thing. And equally, because I've tracked for so long with my nutrition, I pretty much know what four, I pretty much know what three or four meals I can have. And yeah. there's times where I am effectively eating a meal plan, but with relative flexibility. Mm. And as long as I'm like relatively flexible at times when I when I need to be socially, then you you you're you're onto a winner and it's very easy to maintain a certain level. So there's certain things that I'll let slide and there's certain things that I just will not let slide. And I think when you understand the value of a habit and the value of the return, and you were talking about feedback loop in terms of like you get an A or B in your essay or you get the result in the mirror that you want to from your physique. I'm massively driven by that, but I also love the 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 feeling of ticking off boxes and processes and mm-hmm. a little bit of a weird kink, but very helpful. I actually like being a little bit different. I like colleagues to be like, what the fuck? Like, why are you going to the gym again? I'd be like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to the gym again because I'm me and I'm going to set the standard for myself, not because I want to behave in any shape or form like the average person, like a normal person. I- I'm quite happy to be different and yeah I, I i i guess you maybe embrace that but a lot of it comes down to identity and, and like i tell myself mm-hmm. that i'm the kind of person that will do the things that i said i was going to do and quite mm-hmm. and quite simply as long as i'm confident in what those things are and like what the return them is so for example i've never seen a massive benefit from meditation because i've never really been very good at it Same. so uh, so i haven't stuck with it but i've got friends that absolutely rant and rave and and and, and will and and they've reaped the benefits of it and i can see that but because I haven't, I haven't stuck to it. Whereas I know my walking habit is a great start to my day. I listen to great content. I get my um, non-exercise thermogenesis activity in, meaning that I can uh, consume a high amount of calories to maintain my muscle mass and my body weight. There's huge tangible benefits. And equally, everyone that's listened to this that's trained will know that they benefit massively from training both physically, but also the endorphins that they get afterwards. Nobody really comes out of the gym gutted unless you've got yourself injured. Yeah. So if you can see the value in your activity, it's a lot easier to implement it. And I guess to give another example, just while I'm in full flow, like cold showers, I've done them intermittently, but I've never really like, like massively benefited. So they haven't Mm -hmm. stayed in, but I started gratitude journaling and I've done that for just over two and a half, two and a half years now. And I've stuck with that. Whereas I've had other, other friends that have stuck with cold showers and they'll be like, Colin, I can't believe you don't cold shower. But then I'll say to them, oh, well, I got you the six-minute diary for your Christmas and you've used it like three times. And they'll be like, mm. okay, well, fair, because you've seen the return from that, so you've stuck to it, and I've seen the return from this, and I've stuck to that. So there'll be people listening to this, and it's um, the phrase would be like horses for courses. Mm-hmm. Different different, different things apply for different people. Of course, man. I think that's a that's a great, great example because it's it's setting those standards you have for yourself. And I think setting standards is 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 incredibly valuable for everyone. But you need to set the ones that are particular to you. And you have yours and you have your own kind of set and you have your own principles. And the fact that you show up and do them every day, that's so important. And I love the fact about being different because that's the whole fucking thing, man. You have, there's everything in the world bringing us back to the mean, like a mean aversion will bring us back to the center point. And that's why 
everything is doing. It's what a regular job is doing. It's what a regular house is doing. It's what a regular salary is doing. It's just just basic things. But stepping outside of that realm, not because you want to be quirky and different, but because there's more opportunity there. I guarantee you there's more opportunity outside the circle than inside it. Because if you're following it, you're in the same pool, you know? And that for you has been huge, you know? And it's that's why I've gotten really even interested in your work because like I've seen that element of drive and success you've had outside. And I guarantee you, like not seeing your fucking KPIs, but I know it's benefited your work 100%. And that's oh, it. That's a huge factor, man. Yeah, hugely. Like I've said this before, the best version of Colin Campbell, if I was to speak about myself from like a, a, a an elevated view, which is very, very narcissistic, isn't it? Or maybe sociopath, who knows? One of, one of the two, I won't die even with myself on this podcast. I'll go see a therapist. But when, when it comes to like, if you were to give like a bird's eye view of like who I am and what I do, you need to zoom out and be like, well, what, what does he do when he's doing his best? So like, I know that when I'm, when I'm the best version of me, I'm training well, I'm eating well, I'm going my walk, I'm sleeping eight to nine hours a night, I'm creating content that I'm proud of and excited by, I'm working in a job where I'm feeling fulfilled and stimulated and challenged, which is important. Mm-hmm. There has to be bad days for there to be good days. And awesome. when I look at those things, those are like fundamentals that always need to be there for me to be my best self. And a lot of those I have a lot of control over. I can choose what job I work in mostly. I can choose how I apply myself in that job. I can choose how I train. I can choose how I eat. I can choose how I sleep. I can choose the content that I try to create. Although, of course, we can't always get the guests that we want in the podcast. <laughs> and we can work for them. Um, one, I'll be speaking to James Clear and Jordan Peterson in the next couple of years. That's it. That's cool. the plan. A couple of months. Um, yeah, a couple. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but when you zoom out like that, as an individual listening to this podcast, you can probably do the same, but like, when was I performing my best in the different areas of my life and feeling my best? When was I bringing good energy to conversations naturally without maybe having to do it on purpose? Because lots of other things in the background were doing really well and I was ticking those boxes for me to feel like my best. And mm. sometimes it involves a hard conversation. So I was joking with you that you must be staying up far too late to get all this content <laughs> produced. And, and it turns out there is elements of that, but you're maybe sleeping long enough in the morning to, 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 to achieve that. But I know, for example, um, I'm in London next week with work and socially with work, it's a lot more intense and I'll be out a lot later. So it's a lot harder for me to get up at my usual six o'clock and go for my walk before my work day starts when you're out till 11, 12, whatever with work mm-hmm. and i for the for the listeners I, I don't really drink at all i haven't drank for um for coming up for three years now and when you have those like slight like um like variations in where your habits are allowed to be when when maybe i've got more social stuff with work and the pressure's a bit more on to do that i know that i've not slept as well and i genuinely don't perform as well but of course it's a short-term like flexibility mm-hmm. that you need to do in order to connect with colleagues and enjoy yourself and equally life's not linear as we've said we're talking about podcast progression it's not linear at all is it like you are just, yeah you're just ticking along and trying to do the best that you can on the days that you can so if i turn up really well monday thursday friday saturday sunday next week but tuesday wednesday and thursday when i'm in london is a bit more intense so be it like i may, maybe maybe i won't be able to record two episodes next week because i'm a bit stretched because i'm away from home i don't have my mic with me and stuff like that but I'll still be able to train as hard as I can, control my nutrition. My, my sleep might not be perfect, but mm-hmm. I'll be back on the horse as soon as I get the opportunity to. It's class, man. I love that because it's having the flexibility that things are going to change, but then having the principles that you want to abide by. And I think that's the, the main learning lesson from that, which is, which is very valuable. 
there's a lot of things that are, I want to get into what you discussed from there as well. One thing I want to get into is values. You mentioned values a couple of times and you gave a couple of examples. What do you value and what do you value in relation to your career? I value progression. I think um, Tony Robbins um, and my friend David Hart always tries to steal this quote from whenever he's been on my podcast. He says, progress is happiness. And it really is because when you're getting that feedback, we've spoken there about like the the stuff that comes back to you, the stuff that you see in the mirror, the, the results that you see, that is, is that makes me very happy. So working in business development, for me, that is like the progression of seeing maybe a cold prospect or a cold business that we don't currently work with move all the way through to being a customer or the micro steps in between, which is they take a meeting, they accept a proposal, we do a review, whatever the process is, whatever field you work in. That progression gives me fulfillment and it makes me feel good about the work that I'm doing because it makes you feel valuable, makes you feel useful. And of course, come comes with that financial. I'm I'm very fiscally driven. I love earning I love earning the money that I feel that I deserve. And I know that if I do the right things in terms of ticking the process-based boxes, the outcome-based goal will be that I earn more money than I did previously. So that's a big value for me, having relative financial freedom for my age, owning the property that I stay in just now, which is a, lo- a, a lovely flat, um, having the money to spend on the weekends that I want to do, having the money to invest in the different asset classes that I like, and feeling relatively free to do that based on the job that I'm doing and the little side hustle projects that I've got going on as well. Um, and I think the, the second part of your question, Darren, was around how do I... F- it's more value within your career or a oh, value in general. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I get, I guess, I guess I've sort of answered that in the in the respect mm-hmm. that having the ability to progress within a role and sales is very good from that. There's loads of things about sales which are not good, and so many people working this book they couldn't imagine anything worse than cold calling or sending voice notes or videos on LinkedIn. Like I'm quite creative from that perspective. But if you find a career where you can track metrics and see your progression, I think that's very very helpful. I've I've had a lot mm-hmm. of friends leave accountancy. Um, who are extremely clever, very good workers, but they were working like audit and tax or one of the two, and they found it very They found it, (laughs) but but, but then I've got other friends that smash it in that place and they can see this North Star of making it to partner like Mm. a PwC or a KPMG. And they're like, wow, I'm going to get there. And you're okay, that's great. You've got your North Star and they've got the processes to get there. But then I've had other other friends and you maybe know Johnny Watson from Propane Fitness. He was, he's Mm -hmm. on Modern Wisdom as a guest quite a lot. He's been on my podcast, lovely guy. Mm-hmm. He just, he couldn't see what role he played in the hamster wheel. So he was like, I'm out. Whereas mm. in sales, I find it very easy to see if I don't turn up strongly on like a Tuesday and a Wednesday, I've not got many, I've not got as many meetings the week after. I've not got as many proposals. I'm not going to hit my target for the month. I'm not going to get rewarded financially with my bonus at the end of the month or my commission. And mm. it's quite clear pretty quickly whether I've been a valuable asset to the company and to myself and wow, that I, I love that feedback loop. So for work for me in my career, I need an element of tracking how I'm getting on and mm. fiscally it needs to reward me in a way that gets me going and gets me excited because you get hedonic adaptation because like the first like thousand pound deal that I closed when I was in my first grad job, I was like, oh, buzzing. Mm. I closed a thousand course, Yeah, whereas if I do a thousand pound deal now, like, like it's irrelevant because my target's thousands of thousands more than that so I, I i need to do lots and lots of them to get there so i think i think there's loads of like different ways that you can look at 
how your career should be structured. And I'm obviously very biased because since 2014, I've worked in insurance, uh, sorry, uh, in sales roles, firstly in the insurance industry and now more recently in like design-led furniture. But I moved industry based purely on the ability to do bigger deals and be like a more important cog in the machine. Man, I'm 100% behind everything you said because I think the issue is when you're in these fucking huge companies, it's just so airy-fairy. It's all just like he said, she said, and you're, you're sitting there in a gray area. And that's why the guy is going to partner. Why the example that you said there was someone like hating their life doing it is because it's so gray, they can sell you, sell, you the, sell you the dream because if you stick around there long enough, and this is what I hate about those jobs, it's like the person who waits out there long enough gets the reward. Whereas for you and for me, I'm a fucking KPI bro, man. Don't worry. Like fintech, Revolut, small startups are all about targets. Like everything you do is targets. So again, like I say, if you wake up on a Monday morning and you're not feeling it, you've been out on a Saturday and you're not feeling it. It's like, I don't give a shit if you're not feeling it or not. You better kick yourself into gear and get your shit done. And that's why having all other stuff helps it as well because you're training, you're you're getting into good flow. But that for me was huge evaluation. And I did the exact same. I just put up a fucking post on LinkedIn, bear mind saying, the three important parts of your career are fulfillment, progress, and money. And I 100% back that. The guy who told that to me was a guy called Neilan Ladva, great guy I met, I met in London, where he pulled me aside. And he was like, pick any company. Let's pick a random company. Let's pick Morgan Stanley. He was like, if you work there, right, you have three criteria to fulfill, which is progress, money, and fulfillment. You'll have a shitload of progress, right? You'll have a shitload of money, but the job could be dog shit, could be terrible. You could work for a charity, it could be really fulfilling, you'd have no progress, and you'd have no money. So that it's very, very difficult to calculate, and it's, it's a fantastic exercise to do, man. You pick any company in the world, uh, and you try it, or you pick any pursuit. And this is why I'm very much more the kind of sales guy as well, isn't, like, obviously, the podcast consulting is fucking sales as well. And I have a screenshot from the very first sale that I ever made. It's still on my phone, I still have it saved on my phone when it came up, because it's just like, it means so much more than... I don't know, the, the gray area. And it's, you know, and you know what? You've taken that attitude into your physique as well, man, because how many people walk into the gym and just do the same exercises, same six exercises, they coast. Now, I had a conversation with a good mate recently, and we were saying that we felt the last couple of weeks we were coasting before we started dieting. We just felt like that we just kind of, it just wasn't there. And the reason why is because when you do change up, when you did make a switch, you feel it straight away. You wake up with a shitload of doms in the morning. You're like, wait, I wasn't training properly. It was the feedback I was taking this. It's a feedback loop, man. And it's better to come positively or ne- than negatively. Um, and it's interesting. So I completely, I'm behind you and all that, man. But the, um, the fitness came first, Dan, definitely. The fitness came first and then, and, then, and, then, and then the career came after it. But I, I've got colleagues that have got into their fitness during an already successful career and then leveled up beyond. And you're like, wow, like it's exactly like you say there because of the the principles that are behind it in terms of fulfillment, <laughs> progression, maybe not the money part when it comes to your physique, although mm-hmm. who knows, maybe if you start an OnlyFans, make some cash from that. Um, Definitely, not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm talking about making that passive income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I love the fact that there's a crossover between the fitness mindset and the the business and career progression mindset. I, I, it's something that you and I are both obviously massive uh, proponents mm-hmm. of. One thing I want to get into is all about preparation because I think 
when you're younger and even when you were saying that that grad role example like it doesn't really matter like what you do in work like we, i know we pretend like it does but it actually doesn't like as in you're there to learn you're there to be a sponge you're there to abuse and if you fuck up you kind of fuck up but i suppose where i'm getting to now like as a product owner pretty pretty responsible role and i have a, I have a lot of pressure on my shoulders and same with you you know you might have a target that's 50 60k um, a year that you need to hit a quota and one thing I want to get into is around preparation for your training and even your nutrition around your career, because I felt even when I adjusted into my diet, I was like, fuck, you know, it's going to be a little bit difficult to, to factor that in. And I don't want my job to slip. I don't want my diet to slip. I don't want to be in between two different boats. Um, so I've tried to be a bit more prepared combination of maybe meal prepping. Not really. I kind of just cook at home when I, when I cook at home, um, making sure that I, I know my training split making sure that I know when I'm doing my cardio, how long I'm doing my cardio. And I'm tracking a few other metrics at the moment, like my, like my weight, um, coming down from like 78 kilos. I plan to lose like 4 kg in, in, in nine weeks, roughly. So in terms of your career and in terms of your job, how do you balance like a stressful job and how do you prepare it? How do you make the preparation in your training and diet? Yeah, diary management is absolutely massive and equally I like weekly targets. So rather than I need to train today, it's I need to train five days this week. And rather than I need to do 10,000 steps a day, it's I need to do 70,000 steps across the week. One of the things that I'll say to caveat anything I say moving forward is that I've worked both from home, fully remote, going out to see clients, and then fully remote during the during the, the pandemic when we were all shut down. And then I've also worked with an office job going out to see clients as well. So it's quite helpful that I've seen both sides of the coin because you always get somebody who'll be like, who's maybe like an entrepreneur who's always worked from home. And of course they have complete control over their environment at all times. Mm -hmm. So it's a, in many senses, it's easier. Well, of course you get other people who say, Oh, when I work from home, I just can't keep my hand at the biscuits or watching Jeremy Kyle and not doing any work and whatever else. And you're like, wow, like that's more like a you, that's more a you problem than an environment problem. Um, that's a fucking you problem. I love that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Bait, bait is fuck energy. But anyway, um, I, I, having worked both um, at home, but also um, traveling and then in the office, but also traveling, diary management is absolutely massive. And when you have these weekly targets, you need to either time block, which is a concept I went from Nirial, who's been on my podcast, the author of Indistractable, really interesting um, guy. And it's he's all about productivity and doing the things that you said you were going to do. So it sounds so boring and it's never sexy, but once you get into this habit, it's quite easy. So on a Sunday night, you know where you are the next week. You know the days that you're working. You know the days that you're going to train. You know when you're going to train. You know what gym you're going to use. So for example, in London next week, on Tuesday, I know what gym I'm going to use. On Wednesday, I know what gym I'm going to use. I know what restaurant I'm going to eat on Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, I'm out with work. So it's a little bit less convenient. But I know that at lunchtime, there's a Sainsbury's underneath the office and I can buy this particular meal and it's going to be in my fitness pal and I know what I'm going to have and I know it's going to work towards my target of 190 grams of protein for the day. So these things are vital um, and a really practical um, implementation on the gym side of things for anyone in the UK um, is a website called Hustle. You can put in the postcode of where your office is or where your meeting is or wherever you're up to your hotel and you can find somewhere that's nearby um, and you can buy a day pass through that or you can buy a month plus pass and get access to that as well, which is super helpful. The other thing that you can do as well is obviously have national memberships. I don't know if you have Pure Gym in Ireland, but we've got Pure Gym over here. And yeah, I love Pure Gym. They're not amazing here. They're not amazing here, really? but 
but they've got, they've got there will be multiple in every city, so you can always you can always train. If you've got the national membership, you can get into all these different gyms, and you're never mm-hmm. going to not have access to a gym. Um, alongside that, when I'm traveling with work, or even when I'm like stretched at the office when I was when I was working in office. I know roughly what I'm going to have if I've got access to a Tesco, if I've got access to a Subway, if I've got access to Nando's. Even if I'm like in a Weatherspoons or somewhere a bit shittier, I know roughly what some of the better choices in the menu might be depending on what my goal is at that point. And my fitness pal plays a massive role in that, but also being able to roughly track meals as well. So I know that if, I'm, if I go out with a client, we're probably not going to go to go to a Nando's, are we? We're probably going to go to a steakhouse or something like that. And steak it's pretty easy to know roughly what you're having for food. You maybe just have to be a bit more well-behaved on the sides and the desserts and uh, and the starters or whatever else you order. I mentioned I don't particularly drink. That's a massive calorie um, spend when it comes to alcohol, but I, I have lots of friends that are in tremendous shape and work in corporate careers where it's, it's, quite, it's quite intense for them to drink, and they actually enjoy it as well, which I think is a massively important thing as well because mm-hmm. if you feel like you actually don't want to drink and you don't enjoy it, please have the wherewithal to say no like you're allowed to say no and 100 percent. i uh well sorry to interrupt you on that so that was a fucking huge thing for me so like i don't like beer okay i like one like fucking small beer if i'm like in ibita and i'm just having like a warm-up with the lads i don't like drinking pints at all and i never have i've never enjoyed like carlsberg or fucking whatever 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 beer it is and i remember when I first moved to London and even when I was working in Dublin and just other places, like the amount of people that finish work and just go and slam points for, for no reason. It's like, it's like illogical drinking for the sake of it. It's just like now round, round, round. And it's just such small dick energy. It's just all guys together trying to like outbeat each other. And I just never got the vibe off it. I remember how much calories I was slamming as a result that I remember I actually was drinking gin and tonic instead. I drink it'd be like, like 5 p.m. and I'd always be drinking gin no matter what because I knew that like tonic water is like I know pretty fuck all at the end of the day. Um yeah. and I would just use that instead. Buy one gin probably cost me so much like 10, 12 euro and <clears throat> use that instead. And I don't know, it just feed it into that work kind of like rot lifestyle, and I just never liked the vibe. And it is obviously enjoyable, like obviously having drinks with your friends is is enjoyable. But I felt like because of the fact that that was the only thing to do, I didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, it comes that uh, be different piece again, doesn't it? The interesting mm-hmm. thing is, as long as you were confident enough to order the gin, because I see some people who get like stick for, oh, why are you ordering that? Like that's that's soft. Like order this or whatever. Or the people that say like I'm doing dry January or sober October or I'm not drinking this week, and they get bullied or peer pressured into drinking, and that's one of my pet hates equally in like restaurants i've been out before and they've been like like they never put the pressure on me because i'm kind of the fitness guy whereas i've seen colleagues who like maybe decided to diet and they'll put the pressure on them like oh go on have a dessert and they're like no no i'm being good and you're kind of like oh you're gonna fold like a cheap suit you're gonna crash here and they're gonna pressure you into having extra stuff that you said that you told yourself when you were in the looking at your best self and your best version you told yourself your intention was to I'm going to eat better this week. And now, of course, you and I both know that better is very <laughs> is very broad and it probably comes down to calories when it comes down to body composition. But when you tell yourself you're going to do something, it's very easy when the pressure comes on and gets turned up. If you don't really subscribe to that identity of being that person or, mm-hmm. or that you hold those values, 
you're get, you're you're not going to be able to stand up to it. So that's something that I've found very interesting to watch over the years. And because I'm quite a strong um, personality, when I get pressure to drink, I just laugh it off because I don't really want to. And I think to caveat this, I don't I don't not drink from a place of having an alcohol problem. Just in case anyone's um, maybe reading into that, because that's quickly something that's thrown at you. Alcohol alcohol is very much the only drug that if you don't drink it, people assume you have a problem. Whereas yeah. if you opt out and you're comfortable with your choice, you can do that. Equally, I know that at some point in the future, I will have a drink again, but it will be on my terms and it won't be because somebody's at a happy hour in, in a bar in London told me, oh, here's your pint, mate. And I'm like, no, I'm okay. Like, I'll still come to this and bring my energy and my chat. And my, like, in, uh, I'll enjoy the situation, but I don't need the alcohol to get on the same level as you initially. It's just it's just uh, through choice. But of course, it gets to a certain time in the night when you probably can't keep up because you're not partaking. Is there, it, there's, there, 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 there's pros and cons to it. But um, I, I, I always think it's important to mention when I'm looking at how I've managed my physique and stuff over the longer term, there's been thousands of calories that I've abstained for. Even in the kind of last three years when I haven't drunk at all, even before that, I probably drank five, six times a year since university for like occasions. So mm-hmm. I already had a hyper selective mm-hmm. um, relationship with alcohol. So I, I rarely drank with work at all. So I'm kind of used to saying no in those situations. But I do think you need to bring like an outgoing personality to those. So you're not the boring guy that abstains. They'll join in. So like, if we go to karaoke, so next week, I'll probably go to Piano Bar in London. We'll do karaoke. I'll go up sober because my colleagues will be drinking and they'll do it. I'll go up and sing because if I didn't, they'd probably say something. And equally, like they're all drunk. Like if I want to enjoy myself and I'm not capable of doing that sober, I actually think that's more of a reflection on like how I'm wired than anyone else. Mm, mm-hmm. And yeah, man, you're not doing it as well to be like completely different. You know what I mean? You're just doing it because that's, that's your... They're, they're your standards, you know? And it was the same with me even when I was younger, man, in, in university. I fucking hated Irish nightlife, and I, I still do, to be honest. Like a lot of it is just shit and just so boring. I didn't want to waste my money. It was like, everyone's going out on a Monday, everyone's going out on a Tuesday, we're all getting fucked on a Wednesday. It's like, yeah, but I don't know, do I want to do that? And I remember myself, my best mate, Tom, we used to always like, forgo those ideas, forget about it, like, oh, whatever, I don't want to do it. Not because I'm trying to be different, because I don't want to do it. We'd save up, we'd work, and then we'd go travel in the summer, could be anywhere, uh, and then we'd go and enjoy our fun, you know? So we'd have that five to ten moments a year versus every Monday for nine nine months of the year in your university. So it's it's a crazy dilemma. And the social kind of stigma we people put on each other around those settings is crazy. And I forgot about a lot of this, to be honest, during COVID, you know? And I think it's funny because even during COVID, when you're isolated and you're doing your own stuff a lot, I began to think more independently, uh, even write more independently, even like captions and posts. And as you know, like as in I post every day on LinkedIn for the last year and a bit, like I, I always say this to people, people always shit on LinkedIn. It's a perfect good example for like, you know, uh, you know, conforming to the herd for not doing it. So people always shit on people doing LinkedIn. At the beginning, when you first start posting on it, month one, month two, people say, oh, you know, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing this for? Month three, month four, people are saying, oh, uh, when are you going to give up? When is he going to give up? After five, six, seven months, people say, oh, you're going to get a bit of traction. People are following your stuff. People are following, you know, a bit interested in it. After eight, nine, ten months, people are asking how many sales are you making as a result on LinkedIn. And then after a year, then they're asking you, what's your process and how do you do it every single day? Uh, and that's such a good example of moving away from the mean, getting a a good eggs getting a good habit going because you want to do it not because someone else told you to do it 
you saw the opportunity and I felt like I found more opportunities like that and then even with training and stuff like I just a bit more flexible and, and doing things that I kind of want to do versus uh conforming to it that hurt and, and conformity man will, will traditionally kill you to be honest yeah it, it, it's why we have such a depressed um modern society as well because people are just doing what they think they should be doing and if we're going to hark back again to the average person like they're not particularly happy so if we just yeah. do what they're going to do we can't expect to have the level of happiness that may, we maybe see online through our role models who are living much more actualized and fulfilled lives mm-hmm I completely agree, man. When you were speaking of those examples, a lot of them involved, obviously, you're working in uh, particular areas. But I want to dig into some of the preparation from um, even a home base in terms of like, how do you make things that are repeatable? So for me, like I, I'm, you know, I'm a man of a fucking habit. I have like the same food pretty much every day. I have chicken and sweet potato, like lunch and dinner. I'd have like eggs and, and like uh, brown bread in, in the morning. And then I might have like porridge and protein in the evening. And man, I'm happy. Like, I do not want other shit. I'm happy out. I'm happy running a four, six week program and then making a few adjustments and, and checking, going back to baseline and adjusting a few things. But for you, what are some of the things in your life that you do repeatable? I know you mentioned your steps, but I mean, from like a preparation perspective and what advice would you have for other people who uh, want to build successful processes? Yeah, definitely. One of the key themes to scream out for me from what you said there is around decision fatigue. So straight away we removed decision fatigue there's a reason that steve jobs always wore the same kind of black polo neck wasn't it to to work at apple because it was just another thing that he didn't have to think about and put his mental bandwidth towards so by you choosing to eat the same meals regularly especially when you're working at home you don't flap around that you don't expend energy on that whereas you can put your energy towards bringing your best self to your emails and your calls at revolut and then to your creation with your podcast and then to your training your training's pretty much an autopilot as well. You go in, you know that today I'm training legs. I need to progress my leg extension and my leg press. Simple as that. In in six weeks' time, I might rotate out the leg the leg press for a hack squat, and I'm progressing that. It's really simple, really basic. So I love repeatability as well. Um, I eat very similar meals at very similar times as well. There's a reason for that as well, because in terms of how your brain works, you get hungry when you expect to be hungry. So today's a bank holiday in Scotland, so my meals are a little bit spaced at different times, but I always eat around 12 o'clock and best believe my stomach and my brain was rumbling at 12 o'clock, but I'd already eaten at like 11. So Mm. I was full. I'm full by all accounts, but my mind was telling me you're hungry because you, you're used to eating that time. So I eat at similar times. I eat similar things. Um, I, I did meal prep for a long, long time, but I've recently outsourced that to, uh, meal prep company it's one of my new brand deals that i've done and the uptake from my followers has been massive so that's been really really good and um, you basically just buy back your time because meal prep can be expensive um in terms of having it delivered to you um but it's bought back my time the same as i actually have a cleaner for the flat as well um the flat that my brother and i own is pretty much spotless but again i've outsourced the time i think it's 15 pounds a week each so 30 pounds a week for a cleaner to clean for an hour there's three of them come they do a fantastic job and i previously would have cleaned for about two hours a week my brother probably would have done about an hour and a half two hours as well and by getting that time back it allows me to create another podcast it allows me to um go for another walk it allows me to go for another gym session it allows me to go to the driving range so it's either i'm either creating and earning more money or I'm switching off and doing something that I enjoy. So when I come back, I can be at my better self. So having 
things like that are very 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 helpful other repeatable things i go for a walk at the same time every day um uh, at uh, before working at lunch or if i've got calls that are going to go later into the evening i'll go to the gym at lunch and then i'll go for my walk after my after my calls finish to to kind of have like a hard stop i'm a big big fan of having like digital boundaries um i i, I don't go on my phone after nine o'clock at night um my phone goes on airplane mode and it goes on charge um and then at that point i then journal and i read and i try and get sleeping for about 10 o'clock at the latest because i'm getting up at six so i want to be getting like eight hours sleep but Eight hours in bed does not equal eight hours sleep because nobody sleeps 100%. If anyone's ever used like a tracker, they'll find they'd be quite horrified by the percentage of time they're actually sound asleep. Darren, I've, I've frightened you there, I know, but... <laughs> 100%, man, 100%. That brings us to my next question as well, is about even like segmenting some of that because like even even with stress, like, like how do you manage stressful scenarios, especially when you're moving around your calories? So for instance... Yours are very rigid right now, which is great, but you're going to be dropping slowly. And that's what a lot of people do, or else their trainings get a bit more intense. Okay, it's a good example. So diets go down or trainings more. I usually do both. I'll usually drop my calories to maybe 23 max ever. And I'll increase my cardio from two days right now to three to four usually. And then I then I finish off. So that's nine, that's 10 sessions a week I do. 16 sessions, four cardio sessions. Uh, and that's the very end. But during those periods, my head is probably like a potato. It's probably like a sweet potato, and I probably have no idea about what I'm doing anymore. Uh, and that's one thing I'm a little bit worried about uh, is the fact that I work for 12 hours a day, every single day. Uh, I take Saturdays off, and I work on Sundays. So I'm kind of a little bit apprehensive about how I would sustain the level of mental stimulation and and you know bandwidth I kind of need while I'll be in this kind of a reduced state of of mental cognition um how do you approach that yourself yeah very difficult question because i think it's all individualized however i think there are certain generic habits that you can fall back on so it would be things like finding time in the day when you aren't quite optimized because let's be honest when you are working the long hours that you do there's obviously going to be time where you pick up the phone you scroll the gram I don't have TikTok, but TikTok's very addictive. I, uh, I don't have it. I pretty much don't have it for that reason. That and the fact that I think it's a Chinese psychop to make the Western world stupider. But we'll we'll, we'll leave we'll, we'll leave my tinfoil hat conspiracies for another time. We'll do another podcast on that when we both try and get cancelled. Um, so, so I, I I think finding time in your day to optimize further, especially when you're in a state where you are a little bit more deprived in terms of the food that you're on. You're a bit more upscaled in terms of the amount of time you're assigning towards training and also multitasking as well. So when you're doing your cardio, I don't know how intense you do it. My cardio is always just steps. I just increased my step count up from like 10 to 12 up to like 14, 15, 16, 17,000 was the top that I did for my last photo shoot because I could play on my phone during that period and create content. I could reply to work emails. Sometimes I could even take work meetings on teams when I'm at a walk, if I didn't need to be presenting, if I was just consuming or giving an update verbally to um, my manager or stakeholders, then I could, I could do that while I was walking as well. So finding time in your day to multitask can be very helpful too. And I guess it's all going to come down to what I was saying about sleep as well, because Mm -hmm. if I, like I was saying, when I go to London next week, my sleep quality is going to be poorer and I know that I'm not going to function at as high level, but when I'm getting my eight, nine hours, wow, like I'm, I feel great throughout the day. I feel very, very level. Even when I'm on lower calories, the lowest, again, it's hard to relate to my lowest. My calories got in my last cup was 3,000, but I was doing 
I was doing um, 17,000 steps a day um, and I was training six days a week. This time around, I'll probably be doing five training sessions and I, I don't know what my steps will get to, but it will probably end up closer towards that as well to create the deficit needed. Fuck, man, that's crazy. That is crazy amount of activity and the crazy high calories as well, bear in mind. That, that's very, metabolic, very high. I metabolic think. furnace over the years, that's what it's turned into. My, my bulk there was 4,000 and I was sick of food by the end of that, well, as of, as of yesterday. One question on that, and again, I understand how you do this, but it's a question everyone's going to ask and people always always ask around this is like, where do you find the time to do 17,000 steps? Because how, how far is that? That's it's, probably 8K. It, so if I'm getting up at 6, I'm going for a walk for an hour and like 10 minutes and I'm getting like seven to eight to 9,000 steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm walking at lunch for 30 minutes and then I'm walking after my gym session. That's only when I'm in the depths of a cut. My steps normally are 10 to 12. And again, it's that early morning walk and it's that walk at lunchtime. Even like... Even like taking the this sounds this is like this is like uh, the financial advice when they're like stop buying a coffee, um. But when you when you're when you're in the gym, like don't sit down between sets, like Man, walk between sets, move between I, sets. I um, fucking uh, I, sorry, interrupt you. I first heard that from the dude at TM, not TM Cycles, uh, more plates, more dates podcast. We you know the three of them. It's just three of them. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm gonna fuck this up. But basically, he runs his podcast with two other like fucking science bros. And one guy is like massive, like gearhead dude. And he was like, basically the reason he had a kid or something. And uh, he obviously can't get out to do like walks and stuff because he's a child. And the way he's getting in his activity is by putting a duffel bag down on his machine and then walking around the gym. And more plates for dates was like, does someone not come and move your shit? And he's like, no. He's like, literally, I, I, I pretty much set up a trench there. And then he walks around. And I've, like, I've started doing it since I've been, uh, since I've been dieting. And I heard that year, I heard that months, months ago, but I started doing it since I started dieting and I have made a massive increase. I think it's like 3,000 steps I do in a gym session. Yeah, you will, 100%. And like um, the main gym that I train at near my flat is David Lloyd and the gym is a bit of a walk from the changing rooms and there's a lift and loads of the gym bros all get the lift, but I always walk. And by the time I walk up and down and I walk around the gym, I'm probably somewhere, I'm maybe like 2,000 add on. Um, So my morning walk, if I'm getting... Seven, eight thousand, and then my lunchtime walk. If I'm getting two, three thousand, I'm already at ten. Getting two thousand, no problem at all. So there are ways to accumulate it. And I did mention there about walking meetings. Like, there's mm-hmm. definitely times within your working day where you can have a walking meeting. Um, I, I I don't want to be harsh on technology, and I'm talking about optimizing your time. And I said there about scrolling Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that. And I joked about it being obviously a, a Chinese psychop. But genuinely, within your work day, there is always wastage. There is always wastage. I rarely work beyond my nine five unless I'm traveling with work. Then I'm doing emails like when I'm on the train or uh, when, uh, traveling. I'll probably work, I'll be working well beyond my hours at that point if I'm getting on like a, a six a.m. train or like a, or, or a seven p.m. train home, home home at night. But honestly, there's so much wastage time. So things like having my personal phone outside of the room when I'm working nine till twelve. That's like my most um, high quality work phase nine p- nine a.m. till um, t- till midday. I'm in like deep work. I'm on calls. I'm making prospecting calls using my my work phone or my or my laptop, and removing the distractions is is massively important. Like I like most of my friends know they're not going to get a WhatsApp reply to me, mm-hmm. reply from me during like the morning work because Colin's working. I'm not going to be posting Instagram stories. I'm not going to be creating content. It's like full professional work mode, and it needs to be. You need to draw a really 
hard boundaries and lines. And again, that falls into like that whole identity piece through James Clay's Atomic Habits, where you're kind of like, mm-hmm. I am the kind of person that will work diligently. I, I will not seek distraction. I will surf the urge to check my phone. All these different yeah. phrases that I can have going on inside my head, they can be really valuable little mantras that come home to roost. Yeah, man. I think what's really cool there is the fact that for your role in particular, you can kind of have that prospecting window of three hours whereby you block out your calendar and do it. And actually one of the one of the mentees that I work with is in sales and we actually have like a massive like blocker in, in his uh, calendar from nine to one or whatever. And at that stage then he's just like rinsing out calls, he's doing messages, he's doing uh, out, all outbound and then he's following up on prospects from the last previous days. It's very like uh, methodical. But for other people and even even me as a, as a PO, like I am fucking plugged into Slack 24 uh, seven. I'll have messages coming in. I'll have things to do. Cause like I write like lots of documents, for instance, uh, do a lot of like, like regulation shit as well. And, uh, as I sit down to do stuff, I just can't like nearly, I can't like detach completely from other people. Cause usually the house is on fire and I have to like help someone solve it or, or whatever. And what I've noticed not even necessarily myself, because I'm quite diligent around this, is that other people will take calls between 9 to 6 back to back, and then they have two options. Wake up at 6 a.m. and do a grind shift to get everything done before you start working at 9, restart your meetings at 9, or keep on going in the evening. And for me, like I'm, I'm kind of a morning person, so I would do the former versus the latter. Um, but now, so like that's traditional, like how that game works if you work in a, you know, kind of like a, a front office kind of marketing or sales or, or product role but what i've been trying to do is just not take the fucking meeting like send a voice note on slack don't bother setting up a meeting just avoid it and then just try to get work done instead so that as you said your nine to five point uh like my work would go on a bit longer than that but what i would be able to do is actually work in that period i don't get to the end of the day where i'm like oh my god i have nothing done um and yeah man like it's weird we waste so much time and you're dead right we waste so much time in our day yeah, you can be absolutely ruthless with your time in the same way that you would be in your social life. You don't agree to go to a gathering that you're not interested in, although that's another point altogether, isn't it? People yeah. still do that, don't we? Um, but yeah, I spoke to a, he's a communications expert and he's a sales trainer on my podcast, Andy Bounds. Really, 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 really good interview. And he was saying that the number of meetings that he just stripped out his calendar, he effectively ended up being able to work four days because he was just like, just cut that off. That became an email that phone call became an email that uh that that ridiculous update meeting became went from an hour to 15 minutes because he, he gave a format for it loads of ways and, to do it. and one thing sorry dropped you one thing as well around this is that i'm the only person i know that sends voice notes on slack it's just because i'm a podcaster i'm the only person i've ever seen send a voice note and receive a voice note on slack uh, in group chats whatever and it's so effective you get out of a meeting someone's looking for an update bang hit record 30 seconds later it's done they get it they understand the sentiment they understand the background you're not typing being like dear johnny i hope this finds you well it's all that bullshit it's just like here here's a quick update and you just move on and everyone responds positively i guarantee you and it's 100 of what i recommend you reach out to me with a fucking voice note um which was sick i also reached out to you with voice notes as well it's just way more like fluid and you get on to more important shit to do in, in your day you know so I don't know, man. There's different ways to do it and different ways to uh, to slice and dice it. One of the last questions I want to ask you before we, we wrap up is about switching off. So you mentioned the nine o'clock and you turn your phone off and what, whatnot. But how do you disconnect between your career and, and, and fitness life 
your side business life in general. Because one thing I find in particular, and my girlfriend's ear is, is is chewed off from me talking about it, is the fact that like my latest thing is just being like rinsed into her brain all the time. So like I'm never really like detaching and I've even seen fucking therapists on this man, to be honest. And like they're even saying like, you know, I don't have, not that I don't have the ability, I don't switch off. I'm always dialed in. Um, not dialed in like, oh my God, I'm on power, but I'm always plugged into the matrix, I like to call it. Uh, so how for you have us been trying to uh, divide and conquer your work? Yeah, you and I can both help each other on this probably. But um, one of the main things for switching off from like actual work work is as much as possible, if my routine allows, I will train after work about half past five. So I have a hard stop with my laptop getting closed at five o'clock. Um, and that's extremely helpful for switching off from that. Even if I have to work late and I've got a lot on, I will quite often close the laptop, go and train, serve myself, fill my own cup up, and then I'll come back and I'll deal with the nonsense. I'll deal. Yeah. I'll, I'll update the presentation after somebody's asked me to make amends. I'll prep again for the call. I'll send up my follow-up emails to the meeting that I had that morning. Anything like that that kind of was likely to run beyond the five o'clock, I'll deal with that another time. The other thing around... Uh, like switching off from the side projects, which is a lot harder because I, I really so enjoy my hard. corporate job. I really enjoy my corporate job, but my God, how good does it feel when you book like a really good podcast guest or you you listen back to the podcast and you're like, right, I'm going to cut that clip and that's going to be the right thing. And this is, this is maybe slightly boring for the people listening because they don't do this, but I want to make this actionable. Switching off from that is a lot harder, but you can time walk as well. So I can set, for example, two hours on a Thursday where I will do my outbound prospecting guest approach. If I'm doing it outside of that, then I'm letting it spill into other areas of my life. So mm-hmm. it's normally like a Thursday, kind of like 7 or 6.30 until 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. It's a fucking grind as well, man. Don't worry, I know all about it. Yeah, so doing that can be can be very helpful. If I'm prospecting and inviting guests on outside of that, then I'm kind of infringing in other areas. Um I this is one of the areas that I'm not going to be able to give the best advice because I genuinely do let it run into other areas of my life sometimes. But having friends that I talked about, that I just talk about about the football, that I just talk about the rugby, that I just talk about like girls, whatever it is that you're using to switch mm-hmm. off, having different friend groups that you use for that, that just don't give a monkey's about my podcast. In fact, they take the piss out of it. And that's 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 fine. Like I'm actually like I kind of need that. Um so having different people that you go to to talk about different things. I've got friends that I'll always talk business with. I'll always talk about how their business is doing. I've got friends that are incredibly successful that really motivate me. And then I have friends that are successful in their own right, but they don't give a monkey's about optimizing. They don't They don't care yeah. that I've tried blue light blocking glasses the last month and it's been beneficial or it's not been beneficial. They don't care that I turn my phone <laughs> off at nine o'clock to, 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 to sleep better. They're like, oh, like, have you seen such and such has gotten OnlyFans? And I'll be like, yeah. oh, all right. That's, man, that's, that's half the conversations. It's sending like people's fucking shitty mental health courses and uh, their new OnlyFans updated links. That's pretty much half of our conversations are about these days. Yeah. This, so having people that I can switch off with is very important. Having people that I plug into from that perspective, um, that helps me switch off from the podcast. And just having people that keep you quite grounded. In Ireland and Scotland in particular, it's very easy to do. We have top poppy syndrome, don't we? When we get ideas above our station, mm-hmm. people try and cut you down. Even if it's not the right thing to do, sometimes you kind of need a little bit of a, a leveler. Um, I do think not working late is is one, is one of the big ones for me, though, making sure my phone goes off and my digital devices go off, because that is when I would be the most prone to just overwork and run myself into the ground. Whereas 
if you've got limited amount of time that you're giving yourself, you kind of it's like time restricted. It's like mm-hmm. it's like intermittent fasting with your phone or intermittent <laughs> fasting with your laptop. It can yeah. be it can be it can be a really good way to at least put the kibosh because I know if I'm then messing about podcast editing and planning at nine o'clock or like half past nine. I've broken my rules. Like I've, I've really let myself down from that perspective. I probably worked hard, and that's admirable. But it's just uh, you're almost borrowing the fun from the the days afterwards. Hundred percent, man. It's like it's like a, it becomes a detractor then at that point, um, which you got to manage, and it's got to be, you know, you got to be on par for. And you, you got to be very careful. You said something interesting about um, you like you chew your girlfriend's ear off about like the next thing and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> you can maybe get like a safe word or something like that where she says. Darren, such and such, and you have to stop talking about podcasts and work at that point. Yeah, I know you're you're dead right, man, and and I need that. I need a fucking friend. That's what I need. <laughs> That's what I need, man. Yeah, well, me, me, me and you have been bouncing loads of ideas off each other since we started speaking, so it's it's gonna be helpful from that perspective. Of course, man. Of course, man. I'd like to say a massive thank you. We'd wrap it up here at this point. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the session. It's fucking sick. I think uh, everything you're doing, man, is great. I love the stuff you get up to. I think it's very similar to what I'm doing, which is also just fun and enjoyable. And it's good to see that like you're not a man of your of your word. Like you literally go and do this shit, which is not glamorous. It's not enjoyable half the time. You wake up and you do it, and now you've seen a reward from it. So appreciate it, man. No, love love coming on, Darren. Thank you very much for having me.